2 Kings 12, these are the words of God. In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash became king, and he reigned forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of Yahweh all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of Yahweh, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of Yahweh, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple, wherever any dilapidation is found. Now it was so by the twenty-third year of King Jehoash that the priests had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Jehoash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now therefore do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for the repairing of the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest, bored a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side. As one comes into the house of Yahweh and the priests who kept the door, put there all the money brought into the house of Yahweh. So it was, whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of Yahweh. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of Yahweh, and they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of Yahweh, and to masons and stonecutters, and for buying timber and hewn stone, to repair the damage of the house of Yahweh, and for all that was paid to repair out to repair the temple. However, there were not made for the house of Yahweh basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of Yahweh. But they gave that to the workmen, and they repaired the house of Yahweh with it. Moreover, they did not require an account from the man into whose hand they delivered the money to be paid to, to be paid to workmen, for they dealt faithfully. The money from the trespass offerings, the money from the sin offerings, was not brought into the house of Yahweh. It belonged to the priests. Hatziel, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath and took it. Then Hatziel set his face to go up to Jerusalem. And Jehoash, king of Judah, took all the sacred things that his fathers, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated and his own sacred things. And all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of Yahweh in the king's house. And he sent them to Hatziel, king of Syria. Then he went away from Jerusalem. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And his servants arose and formed a conspiracy and killed Joash in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Silla. For Yezachar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants struck him. So he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. 
so far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Uh, 2 Kings 12 is really badly mislabeled, and at least my copy uh, of the English translation, the uh, editors have put in these subtitles, and it's called Joash Repairs the Temple. Uh, would have been better titled The Subtlety of Infidelity or The Detempling of the Temple. The com- comparison between Second Kings 12 and Second uh, Chronicles 24 is very interesting uh, because Second Chronicles 24 very carefully delineates uh, what happens when Jehoiada the priest dies uh, and jo- Joash apostatizes and persecutes the priests uh, for resisting his sin and his rebellion. Uh, and how the uh, assassination of Joash is a judgment from the Lord uh, for what he does. Uh, but that is all just hinted in the phrase at the end of verse 2 in Second Kings 12. Joash did what was right in the sight of Yahweh's, Yahweh all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Um, the implication, of course, that... Uh, when those days in, ended, he did not do right in the sight of Yahweh. Uh, but now what the rest of Second Kings 12 shows us is that this isn't something that is actually super brand new when Jehoiada dies. That Joash's infidelity, the incompleteness and lack of sincerity uh, in his uh, supposed godliness of his reign uh, was there the whole time. If you look closer, immediately you read uh, verse 3, and the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense uh, on the high places. Uh, And apparently Jehoash knows that it's a problem, uh, but he concludes that the problem is uh, external. Oh, we should really repair the temple so that they'll come and offer sacrifices and incense at the temple. Let's make the temple building impressive again. You know, make Jerusalem worship great again. And the people will turn away from their high place uh, worship, uh, is, the, uh, is the idea. So there's a transition, a relationship between verse 3 and verse 4. Uh, now, uh, he first assigns the priests to lead the temple renovation. But after 23 years of the priests getting to temple renovation, when they have time for it, surprise, they've never had time for it. They've collected the salary uh, that is in part for temple renovation, uh, but uh, they have not done any temple renovating. Um, And before you think that the priests are lazy, I mean, before you get down on the priests as if they're the only ones being lazy. They are lazy. Uh, the one who is in charge of them and who has assigned this to them is also lazy for allowing 23 years of the same inaction to pass before he does something about it. The problem is 
that when it gets turned over to other supervisors of the workmen uh, by the collection box method, which the collection box method is fine, uh, the money doesn't even need necessarily to go into the house of Yahweh. Look at verse 16. A lot of what is collected has other purposes, uh, and it's really not part of the worship. Uh, so money from trespass offerings and sin offerings doesn't even come into the house of Yahweh. It just goes directly to the priests. Uh, but the problem with a non-priest-led renovation is you get renovation of a building, but you don't get renovation of worship. And so when they make the switch at the 23 years and they develop the new uh, collection box system and work actually happens, uh, the carpenters and masons and stone cutters buy timber and hewn stone and they repair uh, the temple. However, and it's a huge however, there are not made for the house of Yahweh basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of Yahweh. In other words, the actual parts of the holy worship that belong both uh, to that which was instituted at Sinai by God and then that which was further instituted by David as a prophet in the arrangement of the priestly families for the different aspects of worship uh, that were instituted with the building of the temple, none of that is reattended to. They just have a rebuilt, renovated building. And then even worse, and you can tell a lot about a man's spiritual observation or a commentator's spiritual observation based on what he thinks is happening, 2 Kings 12, 17, to 18, Joash is not saving the people of Israel here. He is de-Israeling Israeling, Israel. He's de-Jerusaleming Jerusalem. He's de-templing the temple. So not only have the needed articles for worship, the new needed articles for worship, not been supplied, but when Hatziel is on his rampage, having um, completed his uh, murderous destruction in the north and even against the Philistines and Gath, and he comes up to Jerusalem, rather than having a Hezekiah moment in which they cry out to God to deliver him, he actually takes the holy things that belong to God and uses them as a bribe. And you might think, oh, he spared Jerusalem. No, he didn't. He did Jerusalem to Jerusalem. So this is not the chapter of Joash repairs the temple. This is a chapter that reminds us that even that which begins very promisingly, a seven-year-old boy who has been taught from birth and who at the age of seven can enter conscientious covenant with God and who has care that the worship of God would not be on the high places but would take place in the temple and who has a good relationship with the priesthood. It starts out, it starts out well, but it's superficial. It's not complete from the heart, and it doesn't last. And so this is a chapter of warning, isn't it?
how subtle infidelity is. Uh, this uh, incomplete uh, worship, incomplete obedience. Uh, this has been a theme, hasn't it? We saw the same thing with Jehu. Uh, how subtle laziness is. I'm sure the priests were busy with lots of things. I'm sure the king was busy with lots of things. But sometimes laziness is not attending to nothing, but it's attending to the wrong things so that the most important things don't get attended to. And how easy disaster comes. It would have, it took a long time to repair the building. And it would have taken a long time to reproduce and maintain uh, all of the articles of worship. And yet in one fell swoop, one moment of panic, one moment of anxiety, he gives away everything that they needed for the worship of God, for the proper worship of God in the temple. And that is the story of Jehoash's reign. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash and all that he did in other words, Jehoash did a bunch of things, but they don't matter before the eyes of Yahweh the way his presiding over the decline, the emptying of the worship of God at the temple matters. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? May God spare us from having such a life in which the accurate spiritual summary would be they did some good things, but they didn't do the most important things. And they slacked and they slacked and they slacked. And then in one or two uh, critical moments, uh, all the good that was could have been done with their lives uh, was completely reversed. And the rest of the acts that they did, you could read it in the biography of the newspaper. You know, all the organizations that they were a part of, all the successful businesses they ran, all of the charitable contributions they made, uh, all of the certifications and honors they had. Now the rest of their acts, are they not written wherever it is that men write about what they care about? But here God is writing what he cares about. And it is his worship that comes through his son, which in the case of Joash uh, is indicated to us by the proper worship that was to be uh, in, uh, in the temple. The flip side, however, is that when we are attending to God and growing in our knowledge of him, and offering him worship morning and evening, day by day, week by week in the Lord's Day Assembly. Everything else that is added is gravy. And he helps us to do that, which is right. And we want to make a difference uh, and live as salt and light. Uh, and as far as God's providence will allow us to build something that will bless not just our contemporary neighbors, but our neighbors in time for future generations, and especially our families. And those things all end up being sanctified. So that when the story of our life is written, it's, and he, and she, 
loved Yahweh with all his heart, all her heart, all their days. And maybe a couple examples are given of how things that we did were an outworking of that. But we take care of the main thing as the main thing, the first thing as the first thing. Uh, and then everything else also brings honor to Yahweh. Uh, but it's second. Second. Worship first. Work uh, second. Uh, or as the uh, old monks used to say, ora et labora. Pray and work. And then let's pray. Oh, Father, help me, help my family to have our life properly oriented as a walking with you, as a worship of you in honoring you in worship times, morning and evening, and um, Lord's Day, and then an honoring of you in work times, in between that morning and evening, day by day, the six days. Uh, and on those six days, week by week, between the Sabbaths. Oh Lord, we read of those whose beginnings make us blush like Joash, who began better than any of us did. Uh, and uh, we see how yet superficial that even that beginning was. And we thank you for the work that you have done in our hearts. And we ask that it might continue, that it might persist, that it might pervade, uh, that we that we would not be uh, incomplete in our desire or zeal or obedience. Help us, O God, how we thank you that Christ is our righteousness, that what Jehu wasn't, what Joash wasn't, what Jehoiada uh, couldn't be uh, as he died, that Jesus has perfectly been what we ought to be. And we cling to him, and we thank you for making us perfectly righteous before you in him. And we pray that you would continue applying now his character to us by your spirit, even using this portion of your word that we have just worshipped you by considering before your face. And so help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.